Our first reading today, as Pastor Dave said, comes from Genesis 12. We'll be doing verses 1 through 3. Hear the word of the Lord. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and from your kindred and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The very word of the Lord. Thank you, Speedy God. In you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Wow. Our second reading comes from Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 25. Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 25. Behold, a lawyer stood up and put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And the lawyer answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among some robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Then Jesus said to the lawyer, Which of these three, the priest, the Levite, the Samaritan, do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the lawyer said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise the very word of God. Oh, please be seated. Well, wow, what a privilege to join again uh, this, um, well, our entire study of the parables, but, but also this parable in particular, which encompassed, as we saw last week, the great commandment, right? The, the commandment, even cross cultures and in our context today, people recognize, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But we forget the context in which that was asked. The lawyer seeking to test Jesus said, what must I do 
to inherit eternal life? And as we saw last week, it's kind of the wrong question, right? Because you can't do anything to inherit something, right? Something has to happen on your behalf. To put it very bluntly, someone has to die, right? And, and, and it's so powerful as it speaks even to our situation today. So we saw last week that the man was saying, how do I save myself? What can I do to inherit eternal life? And we saw last week that a better question would be, how can I be saved? Again, the answer we saw was, love the Lord, your God, with all that you are, remember, all that you say, all that you have, and love your neighbor as yourself. Remember, the whole context for this was was the man trying to justify himself. And now he's cornered. Jesus has implied, we saw last week, that you're not doing what you must do to inherit eternal life. Do this, he said, and you'll be saved. In other words, you're not doing it now. The man is in a world of hurt and, and seeking to justify himself. We saw in our scripture today, he he asked for clarification. He, he said, define neighbor. Who is my neighbor? And then Jesus tells this amazing story. If you are hearing this story for the first time today, I just, I just commend it to you. There's so much there for us in terms of how we can respond to the needs around us. And though we choose these passages months in advance, um, here we are this morning talking about what can we do right in the midst of major global, uh, regional, and even local struggles. The question is very real. I just commend it to you. And, and let me just summarize one aspect of it because we're gonna, we're gonna get very particular today. What can I do? You can, you can offer all of yourself, right? You can go all in. What, what you can do is, is go far beyond what you thought was possible. Like this, like this Samaritan. Don't let it be lost on you that Jesus intentionally inserts into, uh, a formulaic story, a different character. Nowadays, if we tell the, the, the joke about the priest and the rabbi and, and, the, and the minister, right? Um, right when you're expecting to hear minister, he inserts in something in there like, like, like Islamic terrorist, right? Something that just slaps us and says, wait, what did you just do? You broke the story form. He, Jesus is saying, the hero of this story is the last person that you would expect it to be. And, and there's so much for us to see how this hated enemy of the Jews, as we saw last week, showed compassion, right? Entered into the suffering of the man who was beaten up. And, and then... Uh, revealed a part of the very heart of God. So, so Jesus tells this story, this amazing story, and then he asks which of these three proved to be a neighbor. Not just which in concept was the neighbor, but which one actually lived out the gospel in a way, right? Which one proved to be the neighbor to the man in need? And the tester 
became the tested, right? And to his credit, to his credit, he answers correctly. He answers the one who showed him mercy proved to be the neighbor. You see what Jesus has done? By reversing the perspective, Jesus changes both the question that the man asked, right? We said over and over again, if you ask the wrong question, you're going to get the wrong answer. And a lot of the questions that you'll be asked as you represent Jesus in the world, a lot of the questions are the wrong question. Learn from your, your rabbi. Learn from your master here, Jesus. Learn how to, to help people find the right questions to ask, right? Jesus changed both the question, but then because he changed the question, he changed also the answer. And instead of the question, who is my neighbor, define neighbor for me, the question becomes, how can I show my neighbor mercy, right? How can I show my neighbor mercy? If right about now, you have a little sinking feeling in your stomach because you know that this is going to get very uh, personal and applicable, um, I can't help you. I can't help you, um, but your faith has to get very personal. Your your faith has to have application, right? All those difficult passages where Jesus says to, to to people who cry out to him, Lord, Lord, depart from me, I never knew you. What? Why? How could that possibly happen? Because they had a faith in their heads that never applied to their hearts and their hands. So, so, Jesus is helping us today to cross that line. He's helping us to learn how to put our faith into action. The question, how can I show my neighbor's mercy? The answer becomes bless your neighbors. If you haven't been with us recently, we have just stood in amazement that that we could somehow bless God. Amen? I mean, we read Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, oh my... How in the... How in the world could this soul ever bless the living God? But God created us so that we can, right? And you may be asking today, how can this soul possibly bring anything to my neighbors? And and the answer is the same through God. All these things are possible. So let me ask you that question. Just point blank. Are you a blessing to your neighbors, right? Are you a blessing to your neighbor? Now, you may be thinking, I don't know, right? Let me give you one one question that kind of helps um, move toward an answer. It's it's a discernment question. If, If you were not in your neighborhood, would anybody miss you? If you were not in your neighborhood, would anybody know that you were gone? And it's a question for us here, too, as the body of Christ, isn't it? If we were not here in, in this neighborhood, in the Vogel neighborhood, um, would anybody care? Would anybody know? Would anybody miss us? It goes all the way back to Abram, right? The Lord said, Go. Jesus translated that in your going and whatever you do, 
Leave the things that are comfortable, your country, your kindred, your father's house, and go where I send you. And I will make you a powerful, and he uses the word ethnos here, a nation. I will make you a powerful people. No, not, not Americans or Afghans, right? No, no not whites or blacks. Now, now people. I will make you powerful people and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Genesis 12, 1 to 2. So a question really for us as we look at this so familiar parable is how can we bless our neighbors? And so we're going to pick up speed a little bit here and I'm going to toss some very practical things to you and just invite you then to put them into practice. How can we bless our neighbors first? Let God define your neighborhood for you, right? Let God define your neighbor. Right about now, most of you are still thinking about um, your physical neighborhood around you. And, and, and that is completely true. That is important. Common neighborhoods include your physical neighborhood, right? Three years ago, we challenged you. How many of you actually know the names of your neighbors, right? How did you do on that three years ago? Do you remember that? We said, pick out five locations around you. Remember the little orange map? Pick out five locations. Can you name the neighbors around there? And I realized in my neighborhood about, I don't know, maybe 40 houses that I knew about five of the 40, right? And seriously, that that's... Um, and so, so three years ago, we just invited you be very intentional, right, about your physical neighborhood. And, and I don't want to diminish that in any part. Um, God has placed you where you are. Um, be very, very intentional about your physical neighborhood. But I want to just just remind you right now that that there's other neighborhoods that, that you might not have thought about. Your vocational neighborhood, one brother that. I fellowship with has kind of taken on his workplace, right? And and is um, is inviting people in his workplace to to be in Bible study together. He's inviting them to meals. He's inviting them to church. He's inviting them. He's he's saying my neighborhood right now that God is calling me to right now includes all those people who work around me, right? God may say the place I want you to be active. For the kingdom of God is in your vocational neighborhood. Still others of you um, have, have just been gifted and called and, and, and enjoy being in recreation, right? And so you might be on a, on a soccer team or you might play golf once a week with someone. Consider the possibility that maybe the neighborhood God's inviting you to influence is your recreational neighborhood. The people that love to do what you love to to do, right? And these two, vocational, the place that you're called, whether it's a profession or it's a ministry like like Potter's Wheel, uh, a, a place that you're called to serve, those those two neighborhoods could be the, your, your place of, of greatest impact because you're already passionate about it. You're already there. Um, it's fun. Uh, Mike's sitting over there, but um, did we first meet Mike uh, on the racquetball court? Was that where we first met? I, I think it was. I have a picture of about seven or eight racquetball players um, at Tri-State 
Um, and most people think that you cannot be a racquetball player and be a follower of Jesus. Um, and, and they're pretty, they're pretty true. This, this Mike, yeah, believe it or not, he's a stud. Um, we were, we were partners for a long time and, and we were opponents for a, a, a long time. Um, that's still, that's still a place I love. I'm twice a week. I'm, I'm playing racquetball with the same six or eight guys. One of them, uh, uh a Hindu um, um, drives him crazy that he, he's like 20-something, right? And that he can't beat this 60-something-year-old guy. So so every Saturday morning at, at 6.30 in the morning, he invites me to come down uh, with nobody else is watching, right? And I come down and 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 get whooped. And, um, and, and so um, I take I take a sick pleasure in... in um, Returning the favor to uh, to a twenty something, but here's a guy who's opened up. He just had a baby, right? His first child. Here's a guy who's opening up his neighborhood to me. Here's a guy who calls me, wants to be together with me. I'm God made to find a different neighborhood than you could have ever imagined. But many of you also have been called to a missional neighborhood. It's a, it's a neighborhood apart from where you might naturally frequent. But like we just sang, God broke your heart with just things that broke, that break his heart, right? Many of people in the room have been called to the incarcerated. Many of the people in the room have been called to the hungry. Many people have been called to, to, um, to those I'm looking for you, the, who've been called to, 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 Seniors to older people, right, whose worlds are dramatically changing. Consider that God might define your neighborhood to be a missional neighborhood to the people that, that God's heart breaks for. It might be different than, than you would expect. And, and for many of us, we're saying, how can we, how can we make a difference in our church's neighborhood? And just when we thought that that COVID was going to release this ugly grip on us, several outreaches that we had planned this fall for our our neighborhood right here have to be put on hold again until the school system can can adapt and until we're allowed in there again. But um, for many of us, it's going to mean how can we impact our church's neighborhood? No matter what your neighborhood that God defines for you is, then um, then then you can find that place where your greatest joy, your greatest giftedness, and, and the world's greatest need meet. And, and, and you can find God's pleasure there. Well, how do you do it? How can you discern? Some of you right now are saying, I don't really know. You've named several things, and I, I could see possibly, but I have to be honest with you, Pastor Dave, my heart is not, is not resonating. There's not bells going off, Right? Um, how do you discern God's direction? And a couple of years ago, we gifted you with another tool for your for your ministry toolbox. We gifted you with this idea of prayer walking. Remember that? Where you actually physically walk around the, the neighborhood that you believe God might be calling you to. And you pray. And you pray. And I invited you at that time to, to remember some questions that just really helped Kristen and I as we were prayer walking uh, right before all of that moved neighborhoods while we were prayer walking. Um, God, what do you see here? Right? 
So if you're saying, God, is my calling to my workplace? Get there early. Walk among the cubicles or, what, or, the, or the shovels or whatever it is of the, of the vocation that you are a part of. Walk among them. Say, God, what do you see here? Right? Ask God to give you his eyes to see. And then, then ask him, God, what are you doing here already? Right? What are you doing here? And listen for his voice. I remember when we were first challenged to do this, we were told to bring a little notebook and a pencil, right? And to pause when you ask a question, expect God to answer. And and I was doing it vicariously because I was at a retreat center, but I was walking all of that neighborhood at that time. And, and, and vicariously um, listening for God's voice there. I was so surprised by the things that he saw. I was so surprised by the things that he was already doing, right? Not to manufacture something. God is already moving. And and so the third question becomes really important. How can I join you, God? Remember that from Henry Blackaby way back when? Experiencing God. How can I join you, God, in what you are already doing? I don't have to create something new. I don't have to repackage something in a way that sparks interest. God is already moving. He's inviting us to join him. So choose. Choose to bless your neighborhood. Um, There's two acronyms, both B-L-E-S-S, that help us. I'm going to mow them down. They're going to fly by on your thing, but but I, I invite you to walk them through very slowly. The first one is is just thinking how do I how do I choose to bless this neighbor? Begin with prayer. Begin with prayer. Right? We t- we talked about prayer walking your neighborhood already, but pray specifically for neighbors that Lord the Lord puts on your heart. Again, this might be a recreational neighborhood. This might be a missional neighborhood. This might be a physical neighborhood. As you walk by, God might already be working in someone's life. Says so that's not the person for you. This is the one. I want you to pour your energies on. This is the one I want you to have mercy on. And watch out, America, right? Because it's going to rock your world. Remember that that the, the person that was called to help this beat-up Jew was his professed enemy. Watch out. God may call you to make a difference in the last person in the world you would expect him to call you to. Pray specifically for the neighbors the Lord puts on your heart. And let me just remind you of an aphorism from way back when. Before you talk to your neighbor about God, right? Talk to God about your neighbor, right? Talk to God about your neighbor. One way to do that is what I challenged you two years ago to do. The five by five neighbor, excuse me, prayer challenge Pray five times a week for five minutes a day for five blessings for five neighbors for five weeks. I put the five weeks on there just because I'm not asking you to do this forever. Try it and see how God changes your heart. See how God both breaks your heart and blesses your heart as as you have an opportunity to influence. Well, what do I what do I pray for them? That's why I gave you the second bless and, um, acronym here because because sometimes you say what do I what do I pray for them? Um, 
Pray for their physical needs, their body, right? For their health, for their energy. One, one neighbor on, on, on one side of me, um, Tom, just disappeared off the face of the earth um, uh, about three years ago. And I didn't see him for weeks. And, and normally I see him mowing the lawn. I see him doing different things. And he's a Purdue fan, so we get along We get along great, you know. Um, um, I'm so tempted. I was at his house. I was air-blowing his house yesterday, and, and I was so tempted to change his Purdue doormat to an Indiana one just to see what he did, right? But but Tom disappeared for for um, for a long time, and I didn't you know I didn't go banging on his door. I, I just thought, well, I wonder what's happening for Tom. Finally, I, I saw him months later hobbling, hobbling in his driveway, and something had happened, and a car had lost its brakes, or somebody wasn't paying attention, and he's got his legs crushed between two cars, right? And for months, he was sitting there perfect opportunity for me to to care for him to to somehow be there for him but i wasn't even aware of his physical needs pray for their body for their physical needs for their health for their energy pray for their labor for their work their income for their job satisfaction i'm a couple hour week chaplain in 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 um, several stores here in in the evansville area and almost universally Almost universally, the the people that I walk among are dissatisfied, right? They are dissatisfied with their work. Wouldn't that just be a tragedy to go through your life hating what you do? Pray for their labor. Pray for their needs, right? Pray for their emotional well-being, the E of bless, for their inner life, for joy and peace, right? Because we know where... The only place that joy and peace can come from. Pray for their emotional life. Pray for their social life, their family relationships, their friends. Right? That's the mechanism by which God is going to grow the kingdom of God. Those social networks before they even come to know the Lord maybe. You can be praying for those networks of relationships so that God would use them in them. And last but not least, pray for their for their spiritual, for their repentance, for their faith, for their holiness. Pray God protects them from decisions that they're making that will that will hamstring their physical, emotional, and spiritual lives. So, so when you begin with prayer, there's just several ways that you can be active and not ever even yet have contact with them, right? But then secondly, beyond just praying for them, listen to your neighbor. Listen to your neighbor. I think what you'll find is that a lot of times what you thought about them is completely different. And the things that you thought were important to them are completely different. Uh, several years ago, um, people right here in Evansville made a powerful video. We're going to try and take a, just a moment, stop and watch it just for a second. They made a powerful video about watching or excuse me about listening to your neighbors let's watch it together
Wow. Isn't that powerful? There's a sequel to that. Left Turn. I want to say productions.com left turn. That will rock your world as well. But what I love about that, and that's all Evansville people, by the way. Uh, you might have recognized several of them. Um, it's happening right here. Right here. People are listening to their neighbors, and they're finding out that their preconceptions were different, right? And in many cases, wrong. And, and are choosing to be a part of the solution rather than a part of the problem. So... Begin with prayer. Prayer for, pray for your neighbors. Listen to your neighbors. I want to, the E is for eat with your neighbors. There's just something powerful that happens. Why do we have meals on Wednesday nights? Because there's something powerful that happens when you slurp spaghetti together, right? There's just something powerful that happens when you bring people into your home and, and you share a meal together. Consider. It doesn't have to be in your home. In fact, the first step, that might not be the best one, but consider inviting them to maybe have a grill out right in your driveway, two great opportunities in the coming, in the coming months, um, Labor Day. Do your Labor Day in the front yard instead of the backyard, right? Do your grill out in the front yard and see who walks by and invite them for a burger, right? And then I'm so grateful for so many of you who use a cultural uh, event in our, in our culture of uh, uh, Halloween to, to translate that into mercy, Think about it. How can I be missional this Halloween? We'll have things in the bulletin, just opportunities for you to use this thing that everybody already gets out and about. Use it to invite people to fellowship with you. Eat with your neighbor. When you get to that point where you're starting to, to move beyond just hello, how are you? Invite them into your home. Don't clean it up. Don't, don't stress about the presentation of the meal. Just, just break bread together, right? And watch. Watch for areas to serve. S, serve your neighbor. Again, in just very small ways, there's things that I can do for my neighbor whose legs were crushed, right? Uh, that that he can't do. And so, so I'm just doing my normal stuff. I just go to my neighbor's house and do my normal stuff as well. And, and it's really cool that the one neighbor I'm talking about um, there's a part of my yard that I cannot get to easily, but he can get to it really easily from his. And, and, and so he, I think just as a little signal, I, I saw what you did in my front yard. I'm going to do this in the back corner of your yard just to let you know that I, I know, I'm aware. I know what's going on, right? Find ways to serve them. And, and when they ask you, why are you doing what you're doing? Worship team, come on up if you would. When, when you, when you, when they ask you that question, say, because that's what Jesus would do, right? Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve, right? Tell them, I, I just want to somehow represent my Jesus to you, right? Serve your neighbor. And then lastly, I know that we said earlier, listen to your neighbor. And I'm, I'm assuming that you're having some kind of conversation when you're listening to them. But there comes a time when you have to move beyond casual conversation, when you need to speak with your neighbor as speak about eternal things, right? Eternal things. Now, let me, let me just ask you, I know for many of us, the, the thought of service makes us nervous, right? right? But man, the thought of, of sharing the gospel with someone scares us half to death. Let me just ask you, why is that? 
Are you, are you ashamed of the gospel? Are you afraid that it won't be enough for that person? Think back. That's why we worship. Remind yourself of who God is. But there's going to come a time when you need... Did you, ever, did you ever see the movie... Oh, shoot, I can't remember the name of it. We made a zoo. We bought a zoo. So that, something like that, right? There's a th- scene where the little teenage boy is falling in love with the little teenage girl, right? And he just can't bring himself up to, to say something to her, right? And his, his dad, Matt Damon, wisely says to him, you know, you, you just need 20 seconds of courage, right? You just need 20 seconds. He tells him about how he met the boy's mom and the 20 seconds of courage it took for, for him to say, hey, I, I, I recognize you there. To speak to her. Pray for that 20 seconds of courage to be able to say, can I tell you about my Jesus, right? Can I tell you about my God? A remarkable thing about the parable of the Good Samaritan was that the last person in the world you would expect to show mercy did. Beloved, we live in a world that desperately needs the mercy of God. Amen? Will we be the ones who show that mercy? Pray with me, would you? Oh, God, again, as always, I feel silly talking to these men and women as I look out among this congregation. God, I just recognize that in so many ways they're so far ahead of me in these very things. But I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that as we, as we read it, as we partake of it, as, as it, as we digest it, God, and as it works its way through our bodies, through our spirits, through our souls, God, then, then lives are changed beginning with ours. But God, on this day, especially, we recognize that there are people in desperate need. In Afghanistan, in, in, in the Gulf, God, in our very neighborhoods and workplaces. God, we know you well enough to know that there are things that should not be. There there are families that should not be broken up. There are people living on the streets that should not be living on the streets. There are nations that are going to war that should not go to war. God, I, I pray that you would begin with us, that that you would transform us, God, so that somehow we can be the, the, the leading edge, God, of, of wave after wave, mercy now. And then, God, we will just trust you for the result. So don't let your word fall on follow ground. Don't let it fall on hardened hearts, God. That cannot, cannot see and respond. Break up our hardened hearts. Break up our follow ground. God, until the world sees Jesus through us, we'll give you the praise.